0: the story of princess hase a story of old japan in myths and legends around the world collection 13. this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org read by ahana malik the story of princess hase A Story of Old Japan by Ye Theodora Ozaki. Many, many years ago, there lived in Nara, the ancient capital of Japan, a wise state minister by name Prince Toyonari Fujiwara. His wife was a noble, good and beautiful woman called Princess Murasaki Violet. They had been married by their respective families according to Japanese custom when very young and had lived together happily ever since. They had, however, one cause for great sorrow, for as the years went by, no child was born to them. This made them very unhappy, for they both longed to see a child of their own who would grow up to gladden their old age carry on the family name, and keep up the ancestral rites when they were dead. The prince and his lovely wife, after long consultation and much thought, determined to make a pilgrimage to the temple of Hase no Kwanon, goddess of mercy at Hase. For they believed, according to the beautiful tradition of their religion, that the mother of mercy, Kwanon, comes to answer the prayers of mortals in the form that they need the most. Surely, after all these years of prayer, she would come to them in the form of a beloved child in answer to their special pilgrimage. For that was the greatest need of their two lives. Everything else they had that this life could give them, but it was all as nothing because the cry of their hearts was unsatisfied. So the prince Toyonari and his wife went to the temple of Kwanon at Hase and stayed there for a long time, both daily offering incense and praying to Kwanon, the heavenly mother, to grant them the desire of their whole lives. And their prayer was answered. A daughter was born at last to the Princess Murasaki, and great was the joy of her heart. On presenting the child to her husband, they both decided to call her Hasehime, or the Princess of Hase, because she was the gift of the Quanon at that place. They both reared her with great care and tenderness, and the child grew in strength and beauty. When the little girl was five years old, her mother fell dangerously ill, and all the doctors and their medicines could not save her. A little before she breathed her last, she called her daughter to her, and gently stroking her head, said, Hasehime, do you know that your mother cannot live any longer? Though I die, you must grow up a good girl do your best not to give trouble to your nurse or any other of your family. Perhaps your father will marry again and someone will fill my place as your mother. If so, do not grieve for me, but look upon your father's second wife as your true mother and be obedient and filial to both her and your father. Remember when you are grown up to be submissive to those who are your superiors, and to be kind to all those who are under you. Don't forget this. I die with the hope that you will grow up a model woman. Hasehime listened in an attitude of respect while her mother spoke and promised to do all that she was told. There is a proverb which says, as the soul is at three, so it is at one hundred. And so Hasehime grew up as her mother had wished, a good and obedient little princess, though she was now too young to understand how great was the loss of her mother. Not long after the death of his first wife, Prince Toyonari married again, a lady of noble birth named Princess Terute. Very different in character, alas to the good and wise Princess Murasaki. This woman had a cruel, bad heart. She did not love her stepdaughter at all and was often very unkind to the little motherless girl, saying to herself, this is not my child, this is not my child. But Hasehime bore every unkindness with patience and even waited upon her stepmother kindly and obeyed her in every way and never gave any trouble, just as she had been trained by her own good mother so that the Lady Terute had no cause for complaint against her. The little princess was very diligent, and her favourite studies were music and poetry. She would spend several hours practising every day, and her father had the most proficient of masters he could find to teach her the koto, Japanese harp, the art of writing letters and verse. When she was 12 years of age, she could play so beautifully that she and her stepmother were summoned to the palace to perform before the emperor. It was the festival of the cherry flowers, and there were great festivities at the court. The emperor threw himself into the enjoyment of the season and commanded that Princess Hase should perform before him on the koto and that her mother, Princess Terute, should accompany her on the flute. The emperor sat on a raised dais, before which was hung a curtain of finely sliced bamboo and purple tassels so that his majesty might see all, and not be seen, for no ordinary subject was allowed to look upon his sacred face. Hasehime was a skilled musician, though so young, and often astonished her masters by her wonderful memory and talent. On this momentous occasion, she played well. But Princess Terute, her stepmother, who was a lazy woman and never took the trouble to practice daily, broke down in her accompaniment and had to request one of the court ladies to take her place. This was a great disgrace, and she was furiously jealous to think that she had failed where her stepdaughter succeeded. And to make matters worse, the emperor sent many beautiful gifts to the little princess to reward her for playing so well at the palace." There was also now another reason why Princess Terute hated her stepdaughter, for she had had the good fortune to have a son born to her. And in her inmost heart, she kept saying, if only Hasehime were not here, my son would have all the love of his father. And never having learned to control herself, She allowed this wicked thought to grow into the awful desire of taking her stepdaughter's life. So one day, she secretly ordered some poison and poisoned some sweet wine. This poisoned wine she put into a bottle. Into another similar bottle, she poured some good wine. It was the occasion of the boys' festival on the 5th of May and Hasehime was playing with her little brother. All his toys of warriors and heroes were spread out, and she was telling him wonderful stories about each of them. They were both enjoying themselves and laughing merrily with their attendants when his mother entered with the two bottles of wine and some delicious cakes. "'You are both so good and happy,' said the wicked Princess Tirute with a smile that I have brought you some sweet wine as a reward, and here are some nice cakes for my good children. And she filled two cups from the different bottles. Hasehime, never dreaming of the dreadful part her stepmother was taking, took one of the cups of wine and gave to her little stepbrother the other that had been poured out for him. The wicked woman had carefully marked the poisoned bottle, but on coming into the room she had grown nervous, and pouring out the wine hurriedly had unconsciously given the poisoned cup to her own child. All this time she was anxiously watching the little princess, but to her amazement, no change whatever took place in the young girl's face. Suddenly, the little boy screamed and threw himself on the floor, doubled up with pain. His mother flew to him, taking the precaution to upset the two tiny jars of wine which she had brought into the room and lifted him up. The attendants rushed for the doctor, but nothing could save the child. He died within the hour in his mother's arms. Doctors did not know much in those ancient times and it was thought that the wine had disagreed with the boy, causing convulsions, of which he died. Thus was the wicked woman punished in losing her own child when she had tried to do away with her stepdaughter. But instead of blaming herself, she began to hate Hasehime even more than ever in the bitterness and wretchedness of her own heart and she eagerly watched for an opportunity to do her harm, which was, however, long in coming. When hime was 13 years of age, she had already become mentioned as a poetess of some merit. This was an accomplishment very much cultivated by the women of old Japan and one held in high esteem. It was the rainy season at Nara, and floods were reported every day as doing damage in the neighbourhood. The river Tatsuta, which flowed through the imperial palace grounds, was swollen to the top of its banks, and the roaring of the torrents of water rushing along a narrow bed so disturbed the emperor's rest day and night that a serious nervous disorder was the result. An imperial edict was sent forth to all the Buddhist temples, commanding the priests to offer up continuous prayers to heaven to stop the noise of the flood. But this was of no avail. Then it was whispered in court circles that the Princess Hase, the daughter of Prince Toyonari Fujiwara, second minister at court, was the most gifted poetess of the day though still so young, and her masters confirmed the report. Long ago, a beautiful and gifted maiden poetess had moved heaven by praying in verse, had brought down rain upon a land famished with drought. So said the ancient biographers of the poetess Ono no Komachi. If the princess Hase were to write a poem and offer it in prayer, Might it not stop the noise of the rushing river and remove the cause of the imperial illness? What the court said at last reached the ears of the emperor himself, and he sent an immediate order to the minister, Prince Toyonari, to this effect. Great indeed was Hasehime's fear and astonishment when her father sent for her and told her what was required of her. Heavy indeed was the duty that was laid on her young shoulders, that of saving the emperor's life by the merit of her verse. At last the day came and her poem was finished. It was written on a leaflet of paper, heavily flecked with gold dust. With her father and attendants and some of the court officials, she proceeded to the bank of the roaring torrent and raising up her heart to heaven, she read the poem she had composed aloud, lifting it heavenwards in her two hands. Strange, indeed, it seemed to all those standing around. The waters ceased their roaring, and the river was quiet in direct answer to her prayer. After this, the emperor soon recovered his health. His Majesty was highly pleased and sent for her to the palace and rewarded her with the rank of Chinjo, that of lieutenant general, to distinguish her. From that time, she was called chinjo hime, or the lieutenant general princess, and respected and loved by all. There was only one person who was not pleased at Hasehime's success that one was her stepmother. Forever brooding over the death of her own child, whom she had killed when trying to poison her stepdaughter, she had the mortification of seeing her rise to power and honor, marked by imperial favor and the admiration of the whole court. Her envy and jealousy burned in her heart like fire." Many were the lies she carried to her husband about Hasehime, but all to no purpose. He would listen to none of her tales, telling her sharply that she was quite mistaken. At last, the stepmother, seizing the opportunity of her husband's absence, ordered one of her old servants to take the innocent girl to the Hibari Mountains, the wildest part of the country, and to kill her there. She invented a dreadful story about the little princess, saying that this was the only way to prevent disgrace falling upon the family, by killing her. Katoda, her vassal, was bound to obey his mistress. Anyhow, he saw it would be the wisest plan to pretend obedience in the absence of the girl's father, So he placed Hasehame in a palanquin and accompanied her to the most solitary place he could find in the wild district. The poor child knew there was no good in protesting to her unkind stepmother at being sent away in this strange manner. So she went as she was told. But the old servant knew that the young princess was quite innocent of all the things her stepmother had invented to him as reasons for her outrageous orders, and he determined to save her life. Unless he killed her, however, he could not return to his cruel taskmistress, so he decided to stay out in the wilderness. With the help of some peasants, he soon built a little cottage, and having sent secretly for his wife to come, these two good old people did all in their power. To take care of the now unfortunate princess. She all the time trusted in her father, knowing that as soon as he returned home and found her absent, he would search for her. Prince Toyonari, after some weeks, came home and was told by his wife that his daughter Hime had done something wrong and had run away for fear of being punished he was nearly ill with anxiety. Everyone in the house told the same story, that Hasehime had suddenly disappeared. None of them knew why or whither. For fear of scandal, he kept the matter quiet and searched everywhere he could think of, but all to no purpose. One day, trying to forget his terrible worry, he called all his men together, and told them to make ready for a several days' hunt in the mountains. They were soon ready and mounted, waiting at the gate for their lord. He rode hard and fast to the district of the Hibari Mountains, a great company following him. He was soon far ahead of everyone, and at last found himself in a narrow, picturesque valley. Looking around and admiring the scenery, he noticed a tiny house on one of the hills quite near, and then he distinctly heard a beautiful, clear voice reading aloud. Seized with curiosity as to who could be studying so diligently in such a lonely spot, he dismounted, and leaving his horse to his groom, he walked up the hillside and approached the cottage. As he drew nearer, his surprise increased, for he could see that the reader was a beautiful girl. The cottage was wide open, and she was sitting facing the view. Listening attentively, he heard her reading the Buddha scriptures with great devotion. More and more curious, he hurried on to the tiny gate and entered the little garden, and looking up, beheld his lost daughter, Hase Hime. She was so intent on what she was saying that she neither heard nor saw her father till he spoke. Hasehime, he cried, is it you, my Hasehime? Taken by surprise, she could hardly realize that it was her own dear father who was calling her, and for a moment she was utterly bereft of the power to speak or move. My father, my father! It is indeed you, oh, my father, was all she could say, and running to him, she caught hold of his thick sleeve, and burying her face, burst into a passion of tears. Her father stroked her dark hair, asking her gently to tell him all that had happened, but she only wept on, and he wondered if he were not really dreaming. Then the faithful old servant, Katoda, came out and, bowing himself to the ground before his master, poured out the long tale of wrong, telling him all that had happened and how it was that he found his daughter in such a wild and desolate spot with only two old servants to take care of her. The prince's astonishment and indignation knew no bounds. He gave up the hunt at once and hurried home with his daughter. One of the company galloped ahead to inform the household of the glad news, and the stepmother, hearing what had happened and fearful of meeting her husband now that her wickedness was discovered, fled from the house and returned in disgrace to her father's roof, and nothing more was heard of her. The old servant Katoda was rewarded with the highest promotion in his master's service and lived happily to the end of his days, devoted to the little princess who never forgot that she owed her life to this faithful retainer. She was no longer troubled by an unkind stepmother, and her days passed happily and quietly with her father. As Prince Tayonari had no son, he adopted a younger son of one of the court nobles to be his heir and to marry his daughter Hasehime, and in a few years the marriage took place. Hasehime lived to a good old age, and all said that she was the wisest, most devout, and most beautiful mistress that had ever reigned in prince tayonari's ancient house she had the joy of presenting her son the future lord of the family to her father just before he retired from active life to this day there is a preserved piece of needlework in one of the buddhist temples of kyoto it is a beautiful piece of tapestry with the figure of buddha embroidered in the silky threads drawn from the stem of the lotus. This is said to have been the work of the hands of the good Princess Hase. End of The Story of Princess Hase, A Story of Old Japan in Myths and Legends Around the World, Collection 13.